fishing is my life. It's in my DNA. From above the water and below the surface. It's who I am. Oh, yeah. Join me as I travel the world in search of the most insane fishing experiences on the planet. Nowhere comes in, smashes my barra. Oh, yeah! You're in for it now, buddy. Oh, yeah! How good is that for a Mackie? Look at the size of it. Get in the boat, Alex, and start to the boat. G'day, and welcome to Alma Glashan's podcast. Now, this week we're doing a bit different because I know I've been slack for a while and I haven't been on, but this week, Audie is going to interview us because we've got all these questions over the, over the last six months on everything and anything from relationships through to fishing through to gear and most of all how to get the best job in the world and what better way than doing it as a podcast and we're going to do it on youtube as well so welcome to al mcglashan's podcast the best job in the world Alrighty, odds what you got for us why are we sitting here when we could be fishing it's a calm day you said we're going out got the rods See? Ready. <laughs> Always. Got the rods. <laughs> if but we get this done really quickly, we can get out fishing. All right, hit me with it. Let's go, let's go, come on. All right, so through social media accounts, etc., we constantly get asked the same question. <gasps> I know I'm a stud muffin. I know <laughs> it. Yep. It hasn't come Ants. up yet, but if by chance at some stage it does, we will leave. Theo will help with that. So we thought if I can nail L down this morning to do this before he goes fishing, nail then we'll it. get some of those questions that you actually need answered. Come on, hit me with it. All right, I want the hard one straight away. Okay. Where did it all start? All right, so always fished all my life, right? So as a kid, went fishing, loved it. And then I still remember with the old man sitting there one day and he said, oh, what are you going to do and all that? And you know, at school they're going, you're going to be a doctor, you're going to be a... Um, well, no, they didn't say I was going to be a doctor, did they? They just, <laughs> they just said, what are you going to do? And scratched their head. And I said, I'm going fishing. And they're going, no, 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 fishing, well, commercial fishing? I went, no, I'm just going fishing. I don't care what it is. I'm going to, whatever I do, I'm going to make it sure my job is fishing. And they went, no, nah, can't do that. You've got to go to school, then go to uni, then get a job, then work really hard at that job and then in your spare time you go and fishing you know i won't say the exact words i said because i got detention that day for that but i didn't and i said no i'm going to make my job from fishing and it started out i remember the old man said rightio i started originally i did um guiding for a while and it was really cool but i didn't like some of the people we took out just didn't appreciate you know all this awesome environment and they're like oh you know i want more fish i want this i'm paying for that I said, right that's it never doing that again so then I went and did, worked in um, the tackle industry and I started at My Sports and then, or Ray's Outdoors I did originally, and then I went across to My Sports and then ended up working for the Complete Angler for when Jim Allen owned it in the early days. And I started taking photos then because a guy told me down at Bermagui years ago, because we used to drive from Melbourne all the way up to Bermagui on the south coast of New South Wales every weekend to go marlin fishing. And this bloke, we pulled in, we got two marlin. And in those days, no one caught marlin. We pulled in at the, the boat ramp. And this bloke's there like, Yo, how'd you go? Did you catch any? He went, yeah, we got two. He goes, oh, where are they? I went, we let them go. And he goes, no, nah, he didn't catch them. 
went, right, that's it, and get your camera. And that's how I started taking photos. Yeah, so that's, that was it. And I still remember that motivation going, what do you mean we didn't catch him? We caught two marlin. This little guy couldn't kill him. They're too beautiful to kill. All right, so... That's the very beginning. Do you want me to keep going or you no, want to go no, next? <laughs> simply because some of these questions will overlap, but Al's not got any idea of what I'm asking. So you just talk and we'll just... Listen. My number will How's be displayed that? at the bottom of the screen <laughs> later on for you, all you lovely ladies out there. Although I think my um, skew is almost all male actually now. Mm. Mm. One female. <laughs> All right, um, always asked, did you have a career plan or have things just evolved over time? Did Ooh, you that's see a good where one. you were heading or? Always. So always, whatever the, you know, everyone said, oh, you know, that you got to go, like I was saying, got to go to uni and stuff. I said, I'm going fishing. I don't care how I do it. I'm going fishing. And as I said, I went and did uni and I started at, um, what was I doing? Marketing, following in dad's footsteps. And halfway through, I got a job offer to go to Fiji and set up a fishing operation. And I went back to him and said, look, this is a job. This is what I'm doing. Is this all cool if I go? And in those days at University, or TAFE or whatever it is, they said, oh, you, you have to, it's attendance. So if you don't have the attendance, so 10% attendance, if you don't have that, you can't pass. pass. So I went stuff it, went to, <laughs> went to Fiji and never looked back. Did you, so you never at any point thought, should I or shouldn't I? You just went? Just went. No, no, never any question. I said stuff it, I went. And I, you know the worst all thing? I was actually with, doing well. All those parents with teenagers out there trying to keep them in tape, make sure they are not watching this. No motivation from me there. And you know the funny thing? That's when I started the guiding was over there. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it did That was just... what spurred it on. So I worked over on Mana Island, which is in the um, near Treasure and Castaway and all that over in, and set up, went and caught my first Blue Marlin, all those sort of things over there and helped try and set up to get fishing up and firing. And yeah, and that made me come back and go. And I started Wild Country Adventures when I came back. And that was Earth and Ocean, because I love hunting as well, obviously. And we got trying to get people to go fishing so I set up fishing charters and then taking people out in the bush so they could see the salt of the earth so to speak. Yeah right so so it did evolve as yeah. well as you you knew roughly what place. Well I knew what it was so I suppose in that way yeah so I started with going righty I'm going to try guiding and as I said you know I'm like oh, I'm not really that keen on it so then the next one across from that was when I worked in the tackle industry and at the same time I'd start taking those photos because we're catching all these awesome fish and you're like, man, I just want to, like, I want to show people what we catch in, particularly like that bloke really motivated. I know it sounds silly, but he really motivated us to go and take photos. Yeah. And so I got a camera and started taking photos. Now, in those days, do you know what a camera was? You had to do stills and stuff like that. It was all, oh, sorry, you had to do stills. So I just getting distracted <laughs> with a boat driving around. So in those days, you had to do it where with your photos it's all slide film none of this digital stuff so you took the photo and you Chinese had no age now. I know, yep. and you had no idea what it was yep. that until it came out later on that was true photography i know everyone all oh. the young ones will crack the sads but that was dark rooming and i had to go into the the labs and i'd sit there and i'd get the strip out and it'd be looking at it like a little light yeah. looking at them all and yep. yeah that must was, have been a lot of heartbreaking moments because it wasn't quite in focus. I mean, now we've got it so easy and we can look through the digital, but there must have been times when you just look at a... At a oh, it's a totally different world now. Like, I'd look at it. So my most famous shot I ever took then was, look at that. See, I told you it was a boat coming. He did very kindly stop before he came roaring past us and was flicked around the back, but we're still getting hit by his mm -hmm. mouth. <laughs> but when I did it, the, 
I got a photo of a guy getting speared by a marlin up the clacker on the yep. back of the boat off Sydney, and up the clacker is on the bum for Australian. Doug Olander, who's the editor or was the editor for Sport Fishing Mag back in the old days of magazines, he was saying that he said to me, "Thing going, I need photos of you know dangers at sea, you know those real major." So I just got a photo of a bloke getting speared up the clacker. And he's lost in interpretation. Sent back, I'm not sure what that means. So I've taken a scan of it, sent it to him, and he goes, Yeah, I was pretty close on that one. <laughs> so, yeah, but I never knew until I got to the lab. And so, when I was doing all the overseas trips, you couldn't even tell whether your photos were working yeah. or not. And I did underwater in those days as well, but it was such a struggle that you just, you know, you're out by underwater so finicky that you couldn't fix anything. So, if you did it and you're out by, you know, a minuscule, everything was stuffed. Oh. That's what I mean by heartbreaking moments, for sure. All right, so um, you've spoken of a couple of them, a couple of key pivotal moments, but who do you remember as sort of the key figures that inspired you along the way? Are there a few that jump out? I reckon in the early days, it was Harry Butler. Yeah? So that most, most kids Harry. won't even remember Harry Butler, but like he was the Aussie version of David Attenborough. And the best part was, he was like an environmentalist and he's, you know, on the ABC and he's out in the middle of the bush one day and he goes, you might wonder why I'm carrying a rifle because I'm shooting feral cats. I went, you're a true environmentalist. You're a proper one. So he was probably the early days. Obviously, David Attenborough is, you know, for me, fishing, it's funny how fishing changed. It started out catching fish, yep. which now with the younger generation, I really just like got to go and get the fish and, you know, but for him, for, for me, it's evolved now to where it's all about getting the shots yeah like it's changed totally where i don't care if i don't catch a fish and you get pressure on social where these these kids are going oh so you didn't catch one today and you go no but i had this striped marlin swim up the back of the boat sitting there right beside the boat turned on the sides look at me i'm going best thing i've ever seen they're like yeah but you only caught two i'm like yeah, yeah. but i've done my numbers days if i want to be good at my job catching numbers normally doesn't actually help me i want yeah. one fish that i get the shots out of the content and that's the key. Yeah, and everybody else that's on board appreciates the fact that you don't try and jump on the rod all the time, but instead you're pushing everybody in the back to Push make sure in. they get on the rod. Get on that rod and wind it up. <laughs> so it's a constant fight yeah. on board the deck for everybody else to take. Do you know every boat you go and everyone goes, so oh, man, how many fish do you get to wind up? I don't want to wind them up. Yeah. We had this, what was it, last year when we were out and doing the tuna, we had a triple on and we just caught two big ones, big bluefin. and. Phil Malaro goes, goes, he caught one about 90 kilos or something. He's on his next one. He goes, oh, Al, you want it? And I'm like, fuck no. Pun the pun, but that's exactly what I said. And I went, no, I'm not winding it up. You can do it. And he did a look at his face going, oh, that's not quite what I had planned yet. <laughs> All right. So um, also through childhood and adulthood, there must have been people around you that mentored or encouraged you to pursue your dreams, not just in fishing, but both in life and business. Can you tell us a few about them? And I'm thinking of a little old lady who was very dear to you who took you fishing up here in sydney oh gran yeah the big g yeah yeah the, well she took i don't think she was that happy with it first time i ever came to sydney because <laughs> of a mexican victorian originally and went up and we're there on the harbour she's got this beautiful house there and she, i'm like i just want to go fishing off the pier she wanted to go and seal the sights all and do is go fishing so and she still did it whereas a lot of people would say no come on we've got to go and do something else so she was pivotal in well, supporting you you know well. what's interesting there my grandfather was a photographer in world war ii like that spy yeah, right. stuff yep yeah sneaking around the pilot taking photos of german camps you or whatever they were so anything but covert yeah no, no, i'm totally over <laughs> i'll be taking the photos i'm going hey you little bastards 
So, All right, anybody else that comes to mind other than uh, Well, if you're talking, I mean, obviously mum and dad have played a massive role. Like dad took us out and just introduced us to the great outdoors and taught us that fundamental rule and that you, if you, kill it you eat it and that's the one thing I've run by all my life and in recent times and we'll go through it I'm sure with you know all the the trolls on social and stuff if you kill a fish or kill anything eat it the only exception to that rule is feral cats get rid of those bastards they kill a lot of beautiful birds yeah but everything else even pigs so some people go oh, we don't eat pigs we shoot them down in in the crops They're bloody beautiful dude but fish why would you kill a fish hang it up and then dump it Yep. How can that be legal? Oh, there'll be a few people cracking the stands now. We're allowed to do it. It's our right. Yeah, but it's that Try not to ideology become... that you... Yeah, and I, they're allowed to do it. Underpins everything that yeah. you do. Yep. And it's, so for Dad, that one rule and has been so important, and now I'm passing it on to the kids that, you know, we go fishing and Coops is into his spear fishing at the moment. You know, Tom shot his first deer a while ago, those sort of things. But then they carry it out and they cut it up and then we eat it. Yep. And to me, it's really important now that we minimise our impact on the environment because, let's face it, we're getting bloody good. All the electronics on a boat. You don't have to be good to catch a lot of fish anymore. It's a theme that may come up a couple of times, so let's yeah. move on. Oh, right. Okay, right. sorry. Um, okay, knowing as I do, um, I know that there's been a lot of positive voices supporting you, but what about negative voices that have turned you into the right direction so that kids out there... Well, hang on, no, we've still forgotten. I've still got more people to thank. Oh, well, come oh, on yeah. then. Get on, we'll carry on with the positive ones for the time. So, all right. So, Justin Kelly, so we're doing work, and I suppose we should go back to how my job evolved. So, when I went into photography, I decided to start writing for the magazines. And I remember them all going, that's not a job, you know, just do it as a part-time casual thing. And how I got it to work in magazines was that I'd, any trip I did, so say Africa or Midway Atoll or any of these amazing places I went to, is I went not to fish, I went to get as much content as I could. So all the photos, you know, you do different stories out of it. So use, I know, use Midway Atoll, which is a little tiny island, the northern end of the Hawaiian chain, which battled Midway. It's been locked up 50 years. I got the, somehow got the gig, flew over to Hawaii, went in there and fished this amazing place where we were catching like 40 and 50 kilo GTs, but we we're trolling striped tuna, skipping striped tuna for them. This is before it became trendy. And this, in those days, all the top fishos that are now over in you know, Central America and South America, all the big guns, yeah. we're all fishing, we're all fishing together over there. But I digress, is that what happened was, and I just keep going off, you look at you just like, you're not answering the bloody question. No, no, keep you're going. going. <laughs> you're going off there. And this could be a two-part episode. Yeah, yeah, this is an hour, right? Yeah, two hours. And what happened was that you go and take set all the GT photos, you do them and you do different styles. So you do close-ups, you do wide, you do action shots. And then when you come back, you compile and go, okay, that's a story on GT fishing for sport fishing in the US. Mm -hmm. This is for modern fishing in Australia. This one's for Voyager to Patient France. This is for um, ski and fish or fish and ski, ski boat down in South Africa and uh, New Zealand fishing. So you'd write, but you take so many photos, everyone gets separate stuff because so you can't send the same stuff. I remember one idiot sold the same photos to all the magazines and they all put them on the cover. And I still remember going into a news agent and here's the same 
literally the same shot on three covers. And that's really important. So I built that up over time and quickly, and that business really exploded. From at the start where you're doing a couple of local magazines, then you're building and building. By the end, I was doing 50 titles around the world and I could not get enough content. Like I was writing nonstop, just punching out more and more stuff. Then I started doing books and, you know, then the newspapers started and, you know, that side of the business, that was when it really boomed for us. I mean, obviously now it's changed. So, but the key was producing content that people liked. And so just bringing you back to, how does that come back to Justin Kelly? Oh, so Justin Kelly was one of my mates that we fished with and he has been instrumental in playing a role in introducing us to a lot of people. Bill Woods was the first one when I started TV, showed me how to present on camera. So Bill used to do Channel 10 in the old days. Everybody had known yeah. Bill Woods. I don't know, some people are. There's people around the world to be going, what the hell's that? And then, yeah, obviously Justin. But then also all my mates that have played such a big role in it that have always been supporters over the years from, you know, Jim to bloody, you know, Tom and all those guys and the family as well. And even Stu. Yeah, Stu's not one for being on camera or doing any of that stuff. Or even take your photo. Hurry up and get your photo. I want to cut it up, you know. But all those people, like, I've got such an awesome network of friends and I say, I suppose it's a business associates as well. But the one thing, and this is for all those guys that want to do this business, if you're going to screw people, it's going to come back to bite you in the bum. So these guys that are always in it for a quick dollar, get what they can off everyone else and, and then screw them and go, you never last. And you'll see a lot of them have come and gone. And I reckon the biggest thing there is they're not genuinely passionate about fishing. Like, look at this. I'm doing this. I'm like, God, you know, there's mullet jumping yeah. over there. I reckon me a couple of flatties there. It's the longest I've seen you looking towards any. I looked over there before the camera. I'm like, oh, look at those mullet jumping. Oh, I mean, yeah, I'm looking at the camera. Radio. Let's get it back on track. Okay. So, um, you've mentioned some of the positive voices that reinforce but we all know that there's always a negative voice out there but that impacts not always negative quite often they can turn you into a direction and make you steer into a positive direction can you think of any moments not necessarily the people but can you think of something where you've had negative feedback and it spurred you towards a much better positive outcome? Oh, look there's always I mean now with social media trolls are the biggest group on earth like and what trolls are is they're generally people that they don't, they're just jealous. That's all it is. And, and they, they don't, if you don't have their exact view, they get really angry about it. They're pissed off because you've got the best job on earth. And you know what? Anyone can have this job. You've just got to get off your ass and make it happen. So, so the positive aspect of trolling is that it makes you define all the time why you do what you do because... You oh, no, no, no. You get a red wine at night and sit there and laugh at some of the stupidity. The best one is the, the, um, the Mako attack like that and when that's been up on like some of the comments on that it just shows how dumb people are the best one and i love this and you can only laugh when they're this stupid is this guy put up i can't believe you took that marlin out of the safety of the estuary and dragged it into the ocean where there are sharks my god you gotta laugh and do you know what you just ignore it because a lot of them are angry and sometimes too with with your trolls is it's nothing to do with you or has anything to do with you. They've had a fight with their missus. You've triggered something, so they have a go at you. They don't even mean what they say half the time, or they don't even understand what they say. And there's an anonymity there that... Oh, yeah. They never have the guts to yeah. say it to your face. All right. 
Um, but, but I suppose one of the ones that was negative that came back and steered you in a very positive direction was definitely when the guy told you if you didn't take a photo of it, it doesn't count. Oh, yeah. That was a massive... Well, that wasn't even online. That was in person. Yeah. Well, that, that's Not even before that. trolls. Yeah, well and trolls. He was trolling the boat ramp. But, yeah, that stirred it on and went, what do you mean? I can't. We caught two fish. Right, I'm going to get photos of it. And that actually really kicked it off. Yeah. All right, so Team Scratchy asked, at what age did your passion for fishing start and do you have any qualifications in marine, in the marine or fishing industry? That's Which you a, kind of touched on, but clarify. Yeah, so that's it. So I've always fished all my life. So hunting and fishing pretty much since I was born um, with the old man, took us out and it's just been something that brother and I still do it to this day. And the... It sort of just evolved that, like I said, all I wanted to do was, I just wanted to go fishing. And I made my job around my passion, yeah. which now has become a trend. When I started, no one was doing it. It was the opposite way around, that you had to go and do a job and then do it in your spare time. And I made a job that you couldn't have at the time. Yeah. But that's true, purely driven by passion. Coppers are flying past now. You haven't done anything, have you? No. <laughs> so do I have any qualifications? Do you know what? That's a really interesting one. So. I was going to do my coxswains and all that sort of stuff and I went, you know what, one of the things is you don't want to become elitist above everyone else. So I actually never did it. So I've got all the hours and all those sort of things, but I thought I'd have it so that it was the same as everyone else. So you're not a charter skipper because I never wanted to go that down that line anyway, that you're straight, little birds fly past. Back, sorry. <laughs> Nature is awesome. So yeah, so that side, photography, I never did a course. Um, I never finished my my marketing degree because I just went out and did it. Got too busy with so it. So I reckon it's hard knocks. You just go and do it in the real world. That's what the whole thing has been. And for me, it's been the best way to do it. Yep. So yeah. Have I got any qualifications? Nah, just lots of experience. <laughs> just learn the hard way. And stud muffin does not count at all. All right, Maddie E D I think it is, or Maddie Ed. Your passion came from your father. Was it fishing or photography that gave you the urge to pursue your career further? So these are little incremental changes in what oh, yeah. So it started with fishing. So I still love my fishing, but it's now evolved that the photography is the thing. I'm just like, oh my God, I love it. Yeah. If I didn't catch another marlin, I'd be happy. But if I got the best underwater shot or the best jump shot, that'd make it. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, so it's evolved from one to the other. And also, the thing I love about photography and, and filming, or video I suppose, is that you get to show people what you see. So you know when, I remember in the early days, and it was one of those inspirations that people were like, oh, so how do you, how do you, you know, what, what do you mean that Marlon came up? Because you know when people hang them up, they're just grey and dead and they look horrible, you know, it's like, that's not the fish we caught. It doesn't show the It doesn't show. Yeah. So you go, oh man, I had this blue Marlin coming up, he was lit up, he's smashing it, bang, exploding, and then people are like, ah, oh, yeah? Now you get the photo and they go, oh, wow, that's it. So. And an awareness where a lot of people out there, those who are in the game fishing, think nothing of seeing another marlin, but those who aren't still are blown away by the beauty of them. So yeah, nice to show them the full beauty. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, Stretch Black, how do I get a job like yours? One of the key questions that comes My up God, all the time. That has been asked, I reckon, every day for a decade. Mm. So how do you get a job like mine? You don't need qualifications, you need passion, and you need 
need to be humble and expect that it's not going to happen overnight. Yeah. So everyone goes, oh my God, you're an overnight success, but you'd be 10 years of hard, and it still is hard. Like it goes up and down, it fluctuates. It's And I know you've said before, to get a job like yours, you have to be prepared to have 10 years of getting absolutely nothing back from the job, just hard slog into the job. Yep, and you just keep going. Even now you still sometimes, you know, wonder why am I doing this? But it is the best, the best job in the world. The only problem is it's changed. So when I did it, it was the magazines that was the stepping stone and then it built to books and TV and radio now, you know, producing my own series and documentary maker and all those sort of things, but it built. And the one thing is, the passion has never, I've never lost the passion the whole time it's been there. Like today, I still want to go bloody fishing. I could have a quick so castle. we'll stay on track and get this done quickly. All right, so uh, Nick Morton said, Don't Oh, know. Nick. You know Nick? Oscar, yep. Okay. He's got a job almost as good as mine. In um, fact, well, that explains the comment then. He said, Dunno, I reckon my job gives yours a nudge. How good is doing what you're passionate about? Which leads on nicely from what you were just That's saying. exactly it. So Nick does Ozcut, which is a mad keen bow hunter, a bloody good one at it too. And he's now importing and making his own broadheads. I think he's doing arrows and stuff now and building his own little business. But same thing. He's a mad keen bow hunter. And he's now built his business, same thing, you've built it around it, so you get to do it every day. And that's the key, so whatever, you, and it's not just fishing, it's hunting, it's diving, whatever you want, it's finding your niche around that. And the key is, and if you ask Nick, I guarantee at nine o'clock every night, he's still bloody working. You know, Sounds familiar. Morning at 6am, he's up and, well, it wasn't 6am this morning, but you know, he's up and working at the same thing. You work 24 seven, there's not a day off, so these people go, oh, I have the weekend off or I do this. It's like, no, you don't. You work yeah. every single day, all day. Good call, Nick. And I don't know who's got Keep the better job. Keep doing what you love doing, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Reese. how did you get into TV and what was the path you took to becoming a TV presenter? This is a good story. So it was a natural progression, right? So you did books and magazines, papers, and always wanted TV. And in those early days, I really tried when Rex Hunt was the only one who really had a show and I worked and tried and tried and you know what I even took a demo reel with a six pack of beers to the to the big studio saying watch this tell me what you reckon and enjoy a beer while you're doing it so really trying to make yourself stand out the dickheads didn't even send back a thank you or anything so you get and this is one thing you got to understand in this business everyone thinks you get lots of recognition you get lots of total nothing so you need to accept rejection so when you get like a couple of trolls on social media like really do we actually care about that like it's a much bigger thing so you get people that don't ring back and your passion excited and you get zero response can be hard so, so one of those key points is don't be deterred don't ever be deterred it took me 10 years to get tv yeah so when it started i should say the story because it's quite cool so we we um Channel 31, which was TVS here in Sydney, started, and a couple of shows start on that. At the same time, I met Ron Croft, who was probably another influence or a special bloke. Croft. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything here. <laughs> it's, and, it's, and Ron and I just said, let's, he was a cameraman, I said, well, let's start filming stuff. In those days, he was doing the behind the scenes for Happy Feet, you know, that, those cartoony yeah, right. animated stuff. And I said, oh. oh. Just one of the top ranking Australian movies, but yeah, cartoony things, yeah. Right. Well, they didn't go fishing, so. <laughs> so, yeah, so, and we said we started um, doing Strike Zone, and in those days we started with the videos, and we never expected, we wanted to do a video that we wanted to call it like Blue Planet. 
Yep. So not winding up fish, because fishing is actually boring to watch someone winding a fish in. Great to participate in, but... And a lot of fishing shows don't realise, watching somebody going, oh yeah, this is awesome, can actually be a bit boring. If you don't get the bite, you don't get the underwater. So what we did was we built strike cam. And in those days, there was no troll cams, there was nothing. So we got a lipstick camera, built a housing for it, ran a cable up, put it out the back. We didn't even have digital, so it went to a tape. So Sony clam. So we'd sit there watching this little screen and started filming baits getting eaten and suddenly went, holy moly. This is it. This is it. This is, and I still remember the first time we put it in, but it's um, North Head put a livey on it, just tied a livey to it and drive along going, oh yeah, this is cool, when there were heaps of kings there. And drive along and this, and it was upside down. So the fish is through, and we're like, yeah, this will work, we'll get it right. This massive king, 65 centimetres, comes up and eats it. And Ron and I look at each other and go, oh my God, it works. And that's how Strike Zone started. We did cool stuff, we did great white sharks, we filmed marlin eating baits. Back in the early days when no one was doing it. Groundbreaking. And that's a strike zone video or DVDs, absolutely blitz. Like I cannot explain how big that got. Like it just blew us out of the water. We sold, I think it was 10,000 copies on the first day. Yeah, right. Like just ridiculous. It just exploded. And the next step after that was, you can tell we're in Sydney. They're coming for you. Yeah, yeah the cops are going over top. So the next thing that happened after that was that Henry de Goyder, who was doing Channel 31, I rang him up and said, I want to do a TV show. Um, how do we do it? And I'd been trying with Channel 10. I'd done little bits. So I'd done some of the other fishing shows, which were just average. And, and that's not against them. It just wasn't what I wanted to do. And I'd uh, actually done Fishing Australia, I think it was. I'd done a little bit of co-hosting or um, Fishnet TV. I'd done a bit of hosting on that. And it was just, yeah, it just wasn't my style. So anyway, so we... Um, we went out and um, I rang up Henry, took him out fishing, as you do, and we're fishing away. And I said, oh, now, what do we need to do? Yeah, get on Channel 31. I'm going to do strikes. I'm going to move it across. He goes, I said, I'd raised about 100 grand in those days. And I said, all the money's going back into the production. And that's yeah. an important thing. If you want this job, it's it. never about the money. I know everyone wants to be millionaires. So I put all the money back in. To it but to get it over the line and go Henry if I catch you a good king what do I get and he goes if you catch me a good kingy I'll give you the prime spot I went done drove straight up the bait got him that and I went if I catch you a bigger king can I have the best lead-in show so the lead-in shows their highest rating show so if you have that before you when your show goes on you've already got the audience so it makes it easier and he goes yeah bloody oath because you're excited so I got the best lead-in show as well and we were the top rating show on channel 31 TVS or because it was in different states um, when that ran initially for the which is god that's over a decade ago that's more than a decade ago now and it would blitz and in those days we caught 155 kilo bluefin which is still the biggest ever caught on 24 kilo because no one's stupid enough to do it anymore and that was a seven hour battle and we did that we caught big eyes we caught marlin we caught all these amazing fish and it was just yeah, Ron and I did it, and my next step was to build from there to get to the main networks, and that's what kicked it off that I then went to Channel 10 and did Big Fish Small Boats. Yeah, right. So that's how it all started. It's a fascinating story. However, I just have to point out at this minute, have a look at the dog. Totally and utterly enthralled. 
Just have to have put a little bit of quick video. Tough audience around here. <laughs> okay. Next one. What's next, next? Next one is coming up in one second. All right. Um, so Mitch Spence Fishing asks, how big of a risk and gamble did you have to take to step away from a mainstream job to follow something you're passionate about and make it work from the start? Which is a, a really commonly asked question as well. It is actually. It's a big gamble for you. It is a gamble. And it's a lot harder as you get older when you've got kids and things like that. So when I did it, I pretty much did it from the start. And I can really only work for myself. I can't do a desk job. Even when I worked for the Complete Angler in the old days when Jim Allen still owned it before it became a franchise, I got in trouble because I kept going fishing instead of opening shops. Yeah. Which Trevor Rolls still struggles with the fact that, what do you mean you, can, you can't come in? I go, well, the snapper on. I didn't see any problems with it. But no, seriously, it, it has to be a job where it is a massive you have to dedicate yourself to it so you'll make sacrifices along the way and things like that that you know it will cost you but if you believe in what you're doing it will work and it's just simply a matter of time yeah. but if you love it there's no other it's like yeah, there's no other option it's a way of life more yeah than anything. yeah radio all right now these two are just grouped together because we'll get them knocked over and ask them quickly uh, did you have any failures and what are your greatest successes which get asked all the time holy crap failures there's Let's endless failures yeah, jesus christ um flooding camera housings you know like jumped in the water and in the old days before i used an icolite housing in the old days it was a really shit connection system jump the water flood the housing bang that's like five grand ten grand gone um, lots of little things like that. Uh, failures, there were countless ones where you're trying to get new shows off the ground or people like editors or something in the old days at magazines going, oh, that's that's crap, that'll never work. You know, I remember going to one at, before I had a boat sponsor in the early days, one of them going, oh, we were, you know, we're interested, but how on earth would you able, be able to get enough content? And I'm like, mate, I can never get enough content. And I flew all the way to Queensland to see them and they're like, and presented really well and then they come back with nah not interested and you're just like us flew to queensland to do all this to talk to you guys to get this off the ground so sponsorships can be and when you get dumped it's a fact of life that you know all of a sudden if they get a new marketing manager you can be on the outer it doesn't matter how much you've done for them you just that they come and go lost. yeah and for me sponsorships which i'm sure will come up soon have been a real critical part and essential role and for me most of them because they're your mates yeah yeah, so, you have and, that as well. and successes. Yeah. So, fishing wise, there's been some amazing ones like um, catching that 155 kilo bluefin, going out with the camera crew to catch a swordfish, and doing it in five minutes of fishing. <laughs> that was ridiculous back in the strike zone days. Um, the Is biggest that a big one laid across the deck with Richie. No, no, they were later on. That was for yeah, a US okay. TV series that they rang up and said, oh, you know, this is Monster Fish, which is one of those top rating shows in the US. And I got the gig as the host and they go, oh, we need a, and you know, it's like, we need a big fish. Like this is a monster fish. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, cool, whatever. Went out and caught their biggest swordfish they'd ever had with Richie. So yeah. And then if you look at business successes, I reckon my first article in Modern Fishing was massive in those early days. Cause that was the pinnacle magazine back, you know, 15 years ago or 20 years ago now I suppose god that's a long time they they played a really big role then getting the DVDs then doing the TV getting my books out which I think I've written it's almost a dozen books it's eight books seven I don't know something like that doing that like the complete fishing Bible which became a bestseller and it's done eight 
editions now or something like that. Um, but the biggest one lately, fishing with mates has been because we every time we do a new series, we don't keep one series and just keep going because they get very tired. So I like to reinvent. So we did big fish, small baits, which was okay. Then teamed up with um, Brad Brad Cohn from who was working with um, uh, Post Op at the time and really, really good producer and really switched on. And we did trips that like we started fishing with mates and that was absolutely unreal. And I got that onto Netflix. Ironically, it got on Netflix worldwide, except Australia. Yeah. We got so much abuse and it had nothing to do with us. We had no idea. Yeah. So that was massive. But probably the latest was the Bluefin doco, getting that yeah. off the ground. And then having that playing at IMAX with you know people from all around the country coming to it and that's another one like everyone goes oh that's great you know it did that it took me three years yeah. to get that off the ground like yeah. it just you don't stop you must keep going if you believe in it you'll keep doing it now one of the classics is pete wilshire now pete wilshire used to be one of the big head on shows at channel line we're out fishing one day because we get along like a house on fire and said oh you should come to channel line come and see me let's have a chat about you moving to channel line to the main channel now bear in mind australia there's no fishing shows on the main channel they're all on the subs what do you call the subsidiary channels like stevenment uh 1hd none of them are on the main channel and i went oh yeah no worries you know whatever and i didn't really realize what pete did we go in see the secretary in there or receptionist i'm here to see pete and she's like Pete who? I went. Because oh, you'd rocked up in fishing clothes. Yeah, I was fishing clothes. And she goes, I said, Pete Wilshire, the head on show Blake. And she's like, okay. Looking at him like, there's no way this Blake's getting through. Pete's like, hey, I'll come in. Walk in the office, we're sitting there. He goes, righty-o, we're going to put Al on channel nine. He goes, when would you like? And I went, I still remember this, 7.30 on a Sunday night. And there's dead silence, like all little minions in the background. And he goes, no, when are we putting Al on channel nine? And it ended up being, we got it on. I think it was in midday on a Saturday or something, and shook his hand and walked out. And I remember going back to post up to the production company that I was with. I said, oh, we're going to Channel 9. What do you mean? Where's the paperwork? I said, no, no, I shook his hand. So for me, it was yeah, always that. done. It was agreed. And we got it up and running and moved to 9. And then we topped the ratings with almost half a million on a couple of shows, which is just insane numbers for a fishing show. And yeah, literally unheard of. We were after the cricket, so it's actually people just watching the cricket. They weren't watching our show, it just happened to be on. They've probably gone to get a coffee or something. Hope it was a change in place. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so you have already sort of covered this one, but um, we constantly get asked, did you ever dream it would be as a successful career as it has been? Did you ever foresee what it could be? Or did you not think about the success side of it and just that you That's wanted to come across? That's a good question. Oh, who comes Try. up with these questions? These are good ones. Hey, <laughs> you're driven so you're constantly going i'm going to make it work i'm going to make it work so i don't really think about the end except i'm going to get it yep. it's a bluefin doco i will make this work if it's the last thing i do i will get on tv and do my own show and it took years to do it but i got it if yep. that makes sense you know i will keep going and going and going till i get it just not to give up yeah never give up all right so i think you may have already touched on it but how many tv shows have you made and Ooh. what other productions have you been involved in? You have touched on it, so can you give us a quick recap? Oh, back in the early days, we did uh, Fishnet TV. That was the first one that I really had an opportunity to, to I go like for. That. Fishnet. Fishnet TV, which used to be an internet site. That's how it all started. Yeah, right. And it was the producers, the original producers from Rex Hunt, 
um, I did River to Reef for a little stint. I've been on all the other major shows, all the fishing shows. Um, Robson Green? No, not Robson. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> the only decent one, and you give me grief. Oh, I can't believe it. So I've done all those. I made um, Fish Samoa, which was just a once-off doco. I did Game Fishing Australia, which was for the Game Fishing Association in the early days. And it's always been about inspiring them to go fishing and getting them out there. And then there was fishing with mates, big fish, small boats, um, Strike Zone, Strike Zone TV. There's something else in there, but they're all the ones that come to the top of my mind. That's Straight. Oh, Monster Fish, which is US oh, yeah. series I've done as well. Um, I said Deadly 60. Yeah, so I've, that's it, another one. Yeah. So that was Deadly 60. I've done that as specials. I've done a few shark specials because ever since that Mako attack, I've always been the shark expert. Not that I know much about them. So, yeah, so been there's been a few fun. of those. Um, yeah, Deadly 60, I did a few. Again, it was about sharks and stuff like that, which was for Netflix. So there's been quite a few of those. And then of course, all the news and all those sort of things well, and bits and pieces there and morning shows and all that sort of stuff, so. And I had a DVD sitting in my laptop for nearly 12 months that I'd been given, that I had to put into our tournament files for the Hellcard Brolis Islands Game Fishing Tournament. And I'd been given it to put into all the game fishing files. And I thought after about a year of having it, I thought, gee, I better look at this make sure it's still current to put it into the next year's tournament files turns out it was owls <laughs> so you did the game fishing dvds as well yeah so that was otto otto volt so it used to be um otto's tackle world or fishing tackle i think it was otto's fishing world i might have called it in those days louis got it these days it's actually just around the corner there but it's um yeah he got it the idea we had was to promote it and traditionally with fishing organizations is they love keeping their head in the sand and pretend don't change no one will notice we're here otto was really switched on and said mate we've got to get out there and promote because yeah. there's not enough young kids and particularly with game fishing in australia there's no kids going in it's if we don't get the next generation in and fishing they're gone and you, these days with fishing and it's something i'm really passionate about because parents aren't taking their kids fishing so everyone that goes fishing was taken out at 99% by a family member. Yeah. It's one of those things that you don't just, Pass. it's rare just to go, oh, I'm going to start fishing. You, like your dad took you fishing. Yeah. And a lot of them lose it and then come back to it. But it starts in that childhood. Concrete, yeah. Honey. And what are the kids all doing now? Playing bloody video games. It's a real problem. And associations and organizations and government are refusing to address the issue on a level. The only ones I've seen that do a really good job is the IGFA over in the US that are really getting kids in. It should be in our school curriculum here in Australia. Yeah. Fishing should be one. Teach them to do it the right way. And it should be commercial and recreational because all you get is this stupid greenie. I know it. I'm going to have to bag the greens. They go off. Make it short. Right. The greenies try and say how bad it is. At the end of the day, the population's going up, so we're making change. So unless you stop the population, you have to learn to adapt and do things. And fishing, everyone eats fish, and then these greenies, you know, they the canned tuna and go, oh, I can't believe they're killing you know, our fish. You're eating the tuna, you idiots. We need to get it. It needs to be in schools and it needs to be balanced and fishing. And, and education needs to be a major component of it. And a lot more research. We need to be studying our oceans properly. Yep. Rant over. You did not. You kept it short for us. All right. So um, just a quick recap on how many magazines have you written for and how many books oh my have you God. written? Um, magazines have been 50 titles. Tallies. Modern fishing, blue water, saltwater fishing, sport fishing, marlin mag, blue water, um, 
Grays, which is a US Grays Journal in the US. Um, used to be Sporting Shooter, Shooting Sporting Shooters Association, um, Guns and Game, um, Boating, Boating Australia, I think was one in there. Um, a whole bunch of camping, camping mags. Oh mate, there's bloody heaps of them. It's just, and then there's all the overseas ones, you know. Voyager to Pesh in France. You've got um, New Zealand Fishing World. You've got um, Ski Boat in South Africa. Then there are a couple of other ones. And the, I can't remember their names. Like there would, it would be 50, 60 titles minimum over the years. Yeah. Can I just say that the Complete Fishing Bible that you wrote. Well, I tried to get it for years. I was trying to chase a copy of it. Could never track it down. And I was so excited when I was at Al's and I spotted the title on his bookshelf and said, oh gosh, I've been trying to get this book. Can I borrow it for a little while? He said, yes, of course. And so I took it away to have a read of it. It took me a little while, a little while to actually realize I'd written it as well. So. <laughs> So, I'd be so much for being impressionable. You could I say was just I'm, so wrapped that he actually had it on his... You could say I'm an influencer. He had it for me to, available for me to read, never mind the fact you'd written it. All right, let's move on. Jeffrey Half, um, it's kind of a two-part question. Part one, so how did you get into fishing shows on TV and then switch over to filming more and uh, to filming more than fishing? Natural progression. So that actually started from the start. So that's a good question. So for me... I watch fishing shows and I don't really watch that much of them because they're not that exciting. It's if they're not, and I'm not bad. It's no, not no, so I that you're agree. not bagging them out. I'm just saying that Robson Green's good because it's funny. So if you haven't got a host that's really entertaining and basically takes the piss out of themselves, you're watching someone's back a lot of the time. Yeah. So for me, what I always wanted to do was get the other side to get what you're seeing, not what seeing us. So some of them always want to be on camera, but it's what's there. Yeah. So that's always doing the you know the drone the underwater so that was a natural sort of evolution of our filming process that and more and more and i remember at the start we did the strike cam and all that back in the strike zone days getting the bite and then i'm like got all the underwater and because digital started to grow so i went back into underwater and started doing I went hang on i can get them not just around the boat i can get them free swimming and, and in the wild and that became that sort of david attenborough sort of look at it that you know to do it which makes the show stand out because no one wants to see us they want to see the fish which is um as you say the passion changed from actually just catching fish to trying to share that experience sorry a little bit of noise in the background there but you um your mercury passion... good engine oh that'll be sponsorship soon won't it good work next time <laughs> your um but your passion changed from actually catching the fish to to sharing that yeah. with everybody and hence the reason you moved off the rod and more into behind the camera to capture the Absolutely and a priority that you want to show people because it's I'm more concerned about the way and I get accused of being green um, that I'm not a, a true fisherman because I don't want to just kill all the fish. Another mercury. No. Yeah it's a merc oh, isn't it? Merc. I, I think it's a merc. All right. Blue band. Part two, hold on to that before I throw that over the back. Part two, so this is also from Jeffrey Hart. Love your videos of underwater game fish, especially marlin feeding on a bait ball. They are yep. insane. Do you ever get the fear of God in you while filming and the tax man shows up? Now I just have to say, Al's mum has told me that if anything <laughs> happens to him when I'm with him, uh, I might as well leave the country. So I know the fear of God that comes into me, but what about you? 
for no. fear of Susan. You know what? Me. There's times I haven't gotten the water. Yep. So it's time we had a white shark up to the boat. I wanted to film a white shark underwater. And I'm like, yep. And you got to pump yourself up sometimes. There is a fear of God for that one. And it came screaming up. Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, it's a bit aggressive, this one. Comes up and goes, bang, bites the engine. Yeah, right. And I'm like, uh, and I'm like, there, all the gear ready to go in the water. I'm like, yeah, I'm not getting in now. Everyone's going, you're getting in? I went, no, freaking <laughs> way. So, yeah, I do get nervous now and again. Sometimes you lose your, your call with it a bit and don't want to get in. But a lot of mates who are hardcore Spiros have the same thing. And I think it was Paul Miller that said it. Yeah, it's an intuition sort yeah. of thing. He goes, oh, I'm not getting in. Then someone, you know, got the same day, got eaten by a shark or something like that. Those sort of weird yeah. things that happen that you can. But yeah, but I love because you're seeing the fish you're seeing and even jumping with Makos and sharks and all those sort of things. Like, it's just awesome. Like there was that one over in Western Australia, your bloody Western Australian sharks. They're bloody the mean snapper? over there. Yeah, no, no, oh. that one. This was the, that, uh, it was a dusky whaler, I think it was. Oh, yes. It's around the back boat, so I jumped in. So I'll go and film him. It's only a dusky whaler, like, not much. Dive down to get a cray fish, which I don't think I was meant to be doing at that time. Anyway, it's going down. <laughs> and went down, and he'd swam off by this stage, and he comes back. And as I've gone, you know, when you just feel he's right there, and there he is looking at me like, oh, my shoulder. I went, oh. And he rammed into me and smashed me a few times. And yeah, never bit me, just super aggressive. So hot. Being a pain in the ass. So Boom. you've been bumped by a Mako trying to get to your Marlin. Yeah, he just pushed me out of the way. That probably would have put me off of getting back into the water. Again. I got in the next day in the same spot to force myself. I went, I've got to get back in. Yeah, so not the next day. It might have been the day after. What was the next day? Whichever it was, I went straight back in. went, I have to get in because that was a bit of a harrowing experience. I was never threatened by the shark. He just pushed me out of the way to eat his Marlin. So people give sharks a really hard time, Makos particularly because they've got that big black eye yeah. and they bite engines and all that because they're, they're curious, but they're actually quite a shy fish. Yeah, right. Yeah, so they're not as aggressive and they've got the wrong teeth for biting people. Yeah, right. And I don't think there's ever been a proven attack by a Mako. Proper attack, not that's un... Um, that's been life-threatening, yeah. I mean. But I think also because the images that are out there, the minute the the um, mouth is pulled back and the jaw is exposed, it's everybody's nightmare. Oh, it's scary. They look image, terrible. Yeah. I've got a photo. You'll see it on Instagram and all that, that it's at, it's a Mako trying to bite our engine, trying to bite the Merc on the back here. And as he does, he peels back so the oh, teeth I'll come out. That. And it looks scary as. It looks almost like it's been... But he barely touched it. Yeah. Then a stupid blue shark came up and scratched the crap out of the engine. Like, bloody <laughs> hell. A gentle blue. <laughs> All right. What's the next one? So I'm going to group these in together. Could be fishing. We could be, and if we get through this, you can. All right. Um, so, what cameras do you use? Do you need an expensive one? And I'll just tie that in with the next question, which is: you must have seen big changes in the fishing and filming photography equipment over the span of your career. Bloody oath! Holy cow! Photography, especially, has gone through the roof from the old days. Like we're saying, in the early days, we'll slide film. And if there's one thing I reckon all the young photographers should try is try and shoot slide film and see how much harder it is than oh, it is to film. Sure. Only because it, it makes you a better photographer, you understand those critical elements so much more. Um, so I shoot Canon only because I've shot Canon since day one and I'm comfortable with it. They were really good, there was that of them and Nikon in the early days, but now Nikon has sort of fallen by the wayside and it's really Canon and Sony are the two big ones these days. Yep. So. Do you need to spend the bucks? I want, pardon me, I want to do that as a YouTube. So my underwater housing setup is just shy of 30 grand, but sometimes we use shots out of bloody GoPros and stuff. 
So and the axis go. Yeah, axis goes awesome. The phone, your bloody phone for God's sake shoots really good stuff. In the upcoming season, season eight of fishing with mates, your stuff on the axis go is in there more than my thirty thousand dollar underwater friggin' camera outfit. So yeah, lots of change in fishing. The same thing that the gear, probably more on electronics and stuff, have come. Like in the early days, I remember when there was no GPS. People yeah. don't appreciate now that you couldn't go to, where's your marks, where's your marks, where were you? In the yeah. old days, you'd just be like, um, you know, I don't, I don't and know. And you were lining up against a markers that were actually, you know, like a dirt track that was on the mainland. Yeah, or, and a post and a tree. Yeah. and Yeah, so people don't realise. So that, it's also put unbelievable pressure onto fisheries because everyone now from tuna offshore to ground fish on, on those heavy, you know, structure or anything like that, so there's no hidden spots. You get them, like kingfish always, everyone's fighting about kingfish in New South Wales. There's massive issues with them because we're overfishing them because there's nowhere to hide. And everyone goes, oh, there's secret spots. My computer in that um, Faruna now maps out the bottom. So everywhere I go, it maps the bottom out. There you go, look at that mercury. How good is this? <laughs> look at him go. <laughs> that's, that's for AB. The AB, I'm looking after here, mate. Not just me old mercury. The proper ones. All right. So this is quite an interesting one in itself. Just changing, changing um, direction a little bit. So some people say fishing shows, like all industries that rely on the fishing industry, take a lot out of the limited resource of fishing. What's your feelings towards this, and how do you feel you contribute back to the fishing resource? Holy moly! How do they come yeah. up with these questions? <laughs> all right. It's asked more than it's asked. I reckon that's a hundred percent. There's a lot of take out of the industry. Everyone expects everything to be given to them. So I reckon, and this gets some of the other fishing talent celebs offside a bit, they need to be putting back in. So I've done a lot over the years of, for me, fishing has given me the best life on earth. So I see it as a priority, um, essential expectation like you have to put back in so for me i've done a lot of time in canberra and, and that's been put that's been controversial that you get it's seen as you're being paid yeah so people like you get these really weird things going did you get well, how much are you getting paid by the liberal party so yeah. classic example so i did one with scomo so the the premier no premier not president prime what is he minister. prime minister that's the one for fishing when they were going up against labor and all the labor union thugs were all giving us a hard time going you're getting paid by them and it's like what are you talking about i've never been paid by the liberal party in my life i only voted for liberal purely because they were going to stop the marine parks and i actually support marine parks but i don't support the lockouts and if they, um if they'd got in they were going to put in so if labor had got in they were going to lock up like half the country so you couldn't go fishing so and fishermen aren't the issue that's what frustrates me it's it's managing fish stocks. It's not lock it up and throw away the king, pretend it's going to be right. Educate and manage. Yeah. They were trying to suck up to the greens, to the radical greens that use up all the resources around us here in Sydney. <laughs> all right. Sorry, I won't go into it. Um, yeah. And for me, putting back in. So I'd go to Canberra on a regular basis. Probably pulled back a bit now. Even things like when the super trawler went down to Canberra, got invited to go down and sat there with the guys and said, listen, and remember, you're taking a job away from a person and saying, guys, you can't do this. This is not going to work, you know? And we had that all sorted. And it's really fascinating to see the behaviors. So we had it sorted. The guys weren't going to fish 
southern New South Wales, which was where the only spot they wanted to fish, in on that 80 fathom line for the super trawler. We walked out and this bunch of morons from Tasmania, I know that'll start them, but so these rather agro unionists from Tasmania who didn't agree with me decided they'd have a go at me because we found it later they couldn't go to parliament because they've been they've been charged with something so you can't go into parliament and they because they started carrying on we'd unified everyone in Australia because they started carrying on like fuckheads let's I'll be honest with it because it does annoy me they made that boat turn around and started fishing so that the Dutch that owned it, who had never got any trouble, so the poor blokes ever running it who had the quota in Australia were getting flogged by these guys. The blokes that actually owned the boat, the Dutch, who haven't really got a good track record with looking after fish stocks in other countries, so they go and flog other countries. They, um, as soon as they saw all this rubbish on, you know, social media with all these bloody, you know, trolls and idiots carrying on like, you know, buckets, and because I had to go back at them, you know, not that I'd ever do that, they went... They went hell for leather at us. And it ended up being, because it was in Parliament, it was a federal offence. So when they're going, we're going to kill you and we're going to find your kids and all this sort of stuff. This is from people in Australia. The federal police got involved. Do you think that's that anonymity? There's a certain amount. 100%. They all hid behind names and stuff like that. There was one, I think he was a copper or something down there that hides behind a name. Yeah. And I know that people crack the sads, but yeah, this sort of stuff. And I just sit there going, and the problem was, when the Dutch saw it, they turned the boat around and started fishing. So I'd given up my days and then get accused of getting paid. God, if I got paid for all that stuff. But it goes, and I'm going off on a tangent there, is that we're putting back into it because for me, the more I fish, the more I worry that it's we're not giving it a better fishery for our kids. And the un- ironic thing is our kids are catching more fish than when we did as kids, but it's not because the fishery's better. Yeah. It's because we're better at catching fish. So technology now... You cannot hide as fish. You yeah. simply can't hide. In the old days, oh, they're right, they swim away. If you look at like some of those, um, uh, not websites, uh, the apps, like marine traffic or something, just have a look in the oceans around the whole world how much fishing there is. Mm. And the gear that they can use, like I've sat there and watched um, Furuno make a, a sonar that can pick up fish within five miles of your boat. Yeah. and estimate schools and there's you know all this commercial gear and that's that's not against commercial what i'm saying is that the technology we use we're now using so i've now got in this boat i've got wasp from Furuno, which means all of a sudden so it's not sonar but i can all of a sudden out fishing for marlin i've got i think it's 300 meters either side or 200 meters either side of the boat so my zone that i'm scanning used to be below i'm covering a lot more ground and yeah the fish can't hide anymore so yeah i do worry about it and for me putting back in is essential but everyone needs to and we need to get rid of this petty bullshit where they all carry on and fight because i didn't get enough recognition and do this and i didn't do that and get in there and look at how do we make the fishery better that's the key and getting commercial wreck and heaven forbid greens as well yeah there's got to be did i actually answer the question or just completely miss it All right, so uh, you have already sort of touched on it. Uh, what's your advice to newcomers to any of the industries you work in? Passion. So I get, yeah, passion's the key. So you find your niche. So in this industry, for me, it started with magazines. That's finished now. Yeah. Um, TV's still massive. You've got YouTube, you've got Instagram. Unfortunately, with a lot of social, if you're not a 
chick in a bikini, you're not going to get big numbers. Right. I know that's... It's just the nature So I was just going to start oh. working on it. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, bloke in a bikini. Sorry, did I say chick in a bikini? No. And bikini coming up no. in the next one. <laughs> and I hate to say it, that's it. So some of it is just purely put a bikini yeah. on. And I, I know that's that sex is so... That shows what content they want to a certain degree. Yeah. Or um, what draws the attention to begin with, do you yeah. think? Yeah. So... And it's an interesting scenario. I've got a good friend, Mo, over in the US, so she fishes down in Louisiana. Awesome fisho, great-looking girl. Does she do it in a bikini? No. No. She could because she's got the bod for it, so if you, like, you know, someone says that. But she just loves fishing and doesn't wear a bikini. But that's not if someone likes wearing a bikini for fishing. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's if you're wearing it just to show off and be an Instagram star, and it is a hard thing. So all the blokes, but the biggest thing I can suggest is get good content. Yes, yeah. yeah, and believe in what you do. Uh, I think, and something you're probably playing down to a certain extent is um, being genuine in it as well. It's got to be authentic. Genuine, stay true to what it is that is driving. And I'm sure we'll get that in sponsorship now. That, now that I know all these questions are coming through. Okay, so um, how do you stand out from the crowd? You said about dropping the six pack in when you first tried to get yep aired on TV. So you've what's, what's authentic? Advice? You yep. must be authentic from the very start. Especially being an Australian audience, do you think? Or oh, worldwide. No, no, it's worldwide. You've got to be genuine with, and honestly believe in what you're doing. Um, and if you're passionate, you'll make your work better. So if you look at it and go, ah, close enough, good enough, it won't. You've got to make it better. So we started, and a lot of other shows you can see followed with the underwater and all these, and other shows started doing it as well. But a lot of times people just don't put enough effort in. Yep. And we've had it where, so we'd go on a trip, if we've done trips where, you know, a week and the footage isn't what we want, we scrap it. Yeah. So, and this is where it goes back financially, that's not a good thing. But for making it TV that can be on Netflix and all these other things, you no problem. You quality. Yeah. Instead. Yep. All right. So, as you mentioned before, social media has changed the face of your business. You are now so accessible compared to years gone by. How do you deal with the negative and positive aspects of this, especially when contentious issues like the lockouts and super trawlers and more recently sharks come up? In particular, how do you deal with the online trolls? I love trolls. Trolls are just unhappy people in their job. That's all it is. And a lot of them whinge. Like you get some stupid stuff that you just go, what the hell are you talking about? Like some, um, they're, they're normally irrational. Yeah, I wouldn't say low educated because that doesn't, that's not the right thing, but they don't understand what they're talking about. So a classic one, we want the same rules the commercials have. <laughs> so does that, that means if you have a bird on board or you have a bird tangled, that's an interaction that stops you fishing if you, in Commonwealth yeah, waters. Right. So ignorance so is bliss. Ignorance is bliss. So where they and they, they feel that their opinion is so important. And I try and I block some of it now because I just I just got a bit like oh, I can't deal with your crap. If it's an honest argument, because I like people that they can agree to disagree, but when they start, you know, you get it we saw it recently with sharks, just pathetic behaviour where oh this is rah 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 and you know and Oh you wear a skirt. Which I think is, um like I I monitor our social media as well and I wasn't prepared for the death threats and, and things like yeah, that. Yeah, you get that, that all the time. The threats against the kids and stuff like that. That's just, I must admit, I'm quite happy to send straight to the police. That's the only way to do it. Well, we had the, probably the worst was the Super Patroller, where they were putting photos of my kids up. Yeah. 
and I remember, like, I don't care. They can have a go at us and do whatever yeah, they the want. Yeah, the quite young at the yeah. time, weren't they? And they well. put photos of my kids up, and it was um, the guys from Tasmania points. again, and saying these are these kids are on drugs and they abused or something and like how that. How old were the boys at the time? They were only little tackers, twelve year olds and stuff. Yeah. So they're underage kids, and that sort of behaviour. And others that were like fisheries managers and all that. We're getting, we're going to find your daughter and rape her and stuff. These same blokes out of Tasmania, these thugs, and I just went game on so I went to everyone and found out and put it up and then the good thing is you know from the big sponsors and all that they were like support yeah well you can't do that let's yeah. the yeah. good thing now is with social is that it's now getting the point so when they make these threats in those days they could get away with it a bit yeah. now people need to understand you say stuff like that they're coming for you. Yeah. Like, I now have a zero tolerance, so if people make threats like that, like you said, straight to the police and let's have a go and see what happens, you know? Because they are becoming accountable, as you say. Yeah, you're accountable now. And people need to remember too, for the guys, and this is for the other side, so if you want to make a career in this business, or any career, you have and to. it doesn't matter whether you're a lawyer, whether you're going to be a gardener, whether you're going to be a shipwright, they look at your social media. So if you put stupid comments up or you go crazy on anything from Trump to anti, I don't know. Anything. Anything, whatever it is that you're on, they look at it and they put it. So you gotta understand that if you put stupid comments up, it's gonna haunt you. Like it's really important people understand. And I've been doing it with my kids with coops and that because they get angry. You see people putting these stupid guns. Like, don't respond to it, mate. They don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, but they don't understand. And you go, yeah, they don't understand. But if you put something up and, it, and all they want is a response. Yeah. So for everyone out there, when you're dealing with these trolls and the girls can get it, like it is unacceptable what some of the girls get for it. Like it's cop it, like it is ridiculous. Do not respond. We just block and get rid of them. And do you know what? They're not important. If they have a good argument, like we've had sometimes there with social, you've gone, oh, that's a good argument. Like, you've got a good argument. We don't agree with it. It opens the conversation yeah. up for it to be discussed, which is yeah. always healthy. But, but ranting doesn't yeah. get it. And you've got it worse since COVID. Yeah. More people rant and rave because they're angry with each other and all that. So you've got more of that sort of stuff in recent time. Yeah. So... Alright, so Quillo89, with the rise of YouTube fishermen, do you think traditional fishing shows are on the way out and how do you stay ahead? And I Ooh. have to laugh at the second part to this. Tricky one is, is Audie the true brains behind the operation? Did I you can, write that? I can dispel that outright. Oh. Right here, Audie is not the brains behind the operation. Audie is usually behind the camera because she hates being in front of the camera. But yes, it's over to you. Quillo, I like that one. And she is in charge, so let's just let's just have that on the record. So that's an interesting one. So TV is still a massive avenue, particularly for sponsorship. Uh, the young, the real younger generation don't watch it as much, but it's still the biggest response that you get is from TV. So without fail. So has it gone? Not a chance in hell. Has it now diversified? So there's two markets. So yes, so TV has still got the biggest response bar none for us. Yeah. Um, with YouTube, there's a lot of guys doing it there. How many are super successful? There's bugger all. Yeah. And it's been a it's it's a real tough one. So yeah, young guys like um, Back to Basics, Stricko and Azza, really good blokes, building a genuine and it's an authentic. Goes back to what I was saying before that authentic brand. That they're pushing because they genuinely love what they do they're not glorifying or anything yeah. like that they're genuinely going it, it shows through when you're fake 
I think TV does it as well. If you're not genuinely like passionate about what you do, it comes across and you don't last. So YouTube's a really good one, but YouTube's really hard to make money out of. Like I'll be honest, if you're not that 0.00001%, if you want sponsorship, TV is the one where you get the bigger sponsors because they get the bigger response. Because for example, Mercury, a 12 year old kid is not buying an engine, but the 35 year old that watches it, watches every show, is so it's to your markets as well Uh, and remember also that we've got an aging population so that larger portion is watching the tv element yeah Yeah. so but it is it's a good question and yes she is still a boss no 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 no. so um this one gets asked all the time so it has to be asked today oh stud muffin yes how much do you get paid by who? <laughs> I know. That's what I thought I'd ask. That's how it comes through every oh, single right. time. How much, do, how you much do you get paid? So now's your chance to set the record straight as to whether or not you get into this business for financial gain. Fuck, I should have just brought out my, <laughs> my bank balance and show that. No, so I've had months where you don't get paid anything. Um, I've had, like, I've never had any political stuff. So even ACORF, or I think it's the advisory council, that used to be the only paid job that I had in for advisory. So the rest of them I do all for free. And that one, because if you get paid, you can't say what you think. You have yep. to agree with them. So I wouldn't take the money. They end up putting the money in my account and I donated the money to sat tagging yep. to pay for all the sat tagging. So, so you like, I'd, it's important to you to stay as an unbiased neutral, component. Yep. Yep. I would be, in the future, I'd probably take on paid roles advising but like they asked me before that they're doing the harvest strategy for new south wales and they said do you you know you want to come on it and all that you don't get paid for any and the thing is too to remember is that you're doing all these jobs for free so you're not actually doing your your proper paid job you're doing it just for the yeah. betterment of the industry yeah. the fishing industry yeah and so you know if you're looking at the, your profit margin in your business and this being straight out last couple of years have been hard because you're putting so we're upgrading gear all the time but the money hasn't actually really increased over the last few years, last five or six years. Which brings us back to the point, you have to be passionate about what you yeah. do, otherwise you won't stay in the industry. But it's still the best job in the world. So how much do you get paid? Well, it depends what it is. And, and jobs change and chop a lot. So, yeah, it's very up and down. Well, it leads us into, I, forgive me if I pronounce anybody's name incorrectly, but N. Wesson. The real question is, what are you actually getting paid for? So I'm not sure whether this is... Is that meant to be political what or something? Is that it sounds like a bit of a political one to I me. Don't know. So never for political. Um, it may just be. Yeah. So what, what do I get do paid for? You? So my content, I suppose. Yeah, I get paid for content. So for making TV, um, ambassador roles, which is back to the content, supplying content basically. So yeah, it's all about your images, I yeah, suppose. That's what it's. Yeah. So Video and stills. Yeah. Brand ambassadors. Not political ambassadors. Yeah. yeah. All right, questions of sponsorship always feature prominently. Yep. As it seems How do to be I get the sponsored? guiding force for How a lot of anglers. How do I get sponsored? Yep. Which we understand that because we all know angling can be an expensive sport, but it does seem to be the number one question. So it comes down to how do I get sponsored? I get the th- most asked question. Yep, it is unreal. So how do I get sponsored? Okay, the biggest thing everyone sees when they want to get sponsored is what they can get out of the sponsorship. So you're completely wrong for starters. It's about what you're giving them. So if a company gives you gear, so say they give you 
a thousand bucks worth of lures. They would be expecting $10,000 worth of sales directly related back to you. So does that make sense what I'm yeah. saying? Yep. So everyone goes, I want this and I want that and I want all these things. But the reality is. The reality is you, it's what you're giving them. So if you get a thousand bucks, you need to be giving them $10,000 worth of value. And it's, for me, I honestly am not a big fan of sponsorships. I need it for my job, but I'm uh, really strict on how, I, so, so a lot of people, um, for me, for example, I've been with Halco for 20, must be 20 years now. And for Halco, it's been really, over the years, it's been, um, I love some of their products and there's some I don't like, but I only ever, and this is for the young guys, only use products you genuinely believe in. I've had people offering me more money. Oh, sorry. So people are just- It's Coops. Uh, <laughs> Coops is at school. Yeah, how good's that? He's meant to be at school. Yeah, for me, I only use products I genuinely believe in because in my job, if the product doesn't get me what I need, I don't get the content. Yeah. So some others, you know, might have other jobs, but if this is your job, you can't do others. So you have to be authentic. So if you don't genuinely believe in the product, and, and I've had over the years, and this sounds silly because I'm probably the only one that's ever done it, where other brands have offered me more money or money because some don't pay than I, the 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 um everyone I'm sponsored by yep. and I've said no because I prefer the product I've got. Yep. Does that make sense? Is so that sort of authenticity? Back yep. To the so you got to be authentic and you have to give them bucket loads for nothing before you even count. Yep. So don't think about you. It's about what you give them. And when you do, we always contract it so they know exactly what they're giving, getting, and then we over deliver by a hundred percent because what when you go and do a contract with a business and they go they want this this and this and you go oh cool then you think that you can be miles apart so when it's in this is what you're getting every time and then it's it's really important that you look at it that way yep. all right so reese asks do you have to be affiliated affiliated with some sort of tackle shop to create your own show no i do it with a complete angler because i work for them so yeah, i'm passionate about it uh, I would say if you're doing TV, you need sponsors because it's half a million dollars. So you're not going to put it in yourself and not give value, but you have to give value back, but it doesn't have to be a tackle shop. It could be boating insurance, be Club Marine. It could be, it could be anything. It could be outside the fishing industry completely because fishing is something that everyone does. So it's a good thing to use as a, as a sponsorship conduit. Yep. So yeah. All right. So um, you've touched on this before, but David Wells asked, is the equipment, motor, sounders, etc., the best available or is it the best from your sponsors? If you weren't sponsored, would you use different brands? No, 100% no. So this is an interesting one. A lot of people think that you just get, and a lot of guys do it, everyone gives you the most money, I'll take it and go, which is okay if, that's, if your business is driven by money. Mine's driven by, for me, my job revolves about around being on the water and getting that content. If I don't have the best product for the job, yeah. it's no good. So I've chopped brands, say example, so we've swapped to North Bank. The reason I've swapped to the North Bank is because it's slightly bigger, it's fully enclosed, which I couldn't get. It's from, heaven in a rough from, ocean. Yeah. So it's doing the job I want. We still pay for it, so people don't realise that. Same with the engine. So in the old days, I used to use Honda, awesome engine. Then I went across to Yamaha, I had fuel issues with that, so it was expensive to run for me. 
um, and Mercury in those early days weren't that good, but they've now come so far ahead. Is it the best engine for what I do? A million to one. Because you know the biggest thing? It's quiet. So when we're filming, the other engines were noisier. You had to keep turning them off to film. With this puppy, you can't hear it unless you turn that V8 thing on. So I don't, I don't compromise and go, like I was saying earlier on, I don't compromise for the money. So I've actually, I don't look at it as financially for business-wise for that, that take the most money, which a lot of others do, which is a good, to be honest, it's actually a better way as a business. To create a profit. Yeah, to create a profit. But for me, I pick the best ones. And one thing I've always worked around, we suppose this is sort of our closing, one of the things we close up on. If there's one thing I can work on with sponsorship, I, or my whole business revolves around working with people I like. Yep. Because I don't get paid it a shitload. And I may as well do it with people I like and people that are genuine and passionate so that we're all going to have ups and downs. And when I'm having a hard month or a hard year, they come and support me and vice versa, I go and support them. So, dead calm up here. There's no waves and we've still got waves. <laughs> that was bizarre. But also, from the safety aspect, you have to be able to rely 100% on the safety and the, the um, reliability of your vessel, of your motor, of your electronics. You know, you're offshore, you're in dangerous conditions, because I've been in a few of them with you. There's you been need a few to, of those days. Yeah, you can't compromise. You have to have the best that you you have. So that you, I can possibly get. Yeah. Absolutely. So, and a lot of people go, oh, you only say that because you're sponsored by them. And it's like, no, I genuinely believe in it. And like I said earlier on, so Shimano makes some awesome stuff. And I absolutely love, like, the Stellas are unreal and Talicas and all these reels that are great and stuff. There are a couple I don't like that aren't used, but I don't promote the ones that I don't like. It's still in their brand. Yeah. But also, and one all thing that's really important that people don't realise is this is what works for me. So you might, everyone has different requirements or demands, but for me, this is the thing, this is what I need. I need a boat that's fully enclosed, that's dry, that's heavier, that can punch into the bigger sea because we're fishing heavier weather these days. Yep. I need the Merc because it's quieter, but it's got that mid-range, it floors because we carry a lot of gear. So someone might go, oh, but I prefer one of the other you know, engines or boat brands because of this. It's like, yeah, but your requirements are different to what I do. Yep. So I try and only say, and it's everyone's been asking recently about, you know, would you, do you recommend, use the North Bank, because that's the latest thing we've got. Yes, it's unreal, but it's only new. So I can't tell you, is it going to last through, you know, years and years of getting flogged and stuff. And Stay tuned, because I'm sure he's going to put that to the test. And you get, yeah, well, you do, bloody hell. <clears throat> you do get, and you get a lot of people go, Oh, you said your last boat was the best brand. And it's like, well, no, I said it's the best fishing platform. And the Evo is still and a great platform for fishing, but it is. But you it's wider. You exposed to the North Bank at that stage. No, no, no. But it's still a better, for me, fishing platform, it's better. The problem you get is because it's wider, it bangs more. So does that help for what I do now? It's because we're fishing rougher weather, it's not as good. So people need to understand... And I think a lot of sponsored guys will basically get paid, will say anything. And it brings the rest of us down that are genuine. And it goes back to the one thing I've said about this whole thing since we started. If you're authentic and you're genuine and passionate, you'll make it work. How many more of these we got to go? Well, there's actually quite a few more, but I reckon we could probably, you know, there's a lot about your favorite. They're going to be asleep by now. People are going to be asleep. There are a lot more, but it, um, maybe we can just do a second part that's your favourite fish, your favourite species and, and all the highlights, etc. Because there's bits of myths that I feel like that we should do. In fact, I'll tell you what we'll do. So for everyone, 
We're going to do more of these if you like it. And if you do, send in, put comments down below on this one. So on YouTube, obviously, if it, we'll do it as a podcast, well, it'll be different on that. But yeah, send in, send us the messages for more questions and what you want to know. And we will add that in and we'll do a part two because let's do about those favorite experiences and all these things as well. It's all and, the things that people want. Yeah. yeah, and let's help. So for all those guys that are trying to get into, you know, turning their passion in their career, ask the questions and we'll give you the honest answer on what we've done. And there's a lot that are just about loving fishing and what your PB is and certain species, etc. as well. So maybe we'll cover those in a second. Right, we're going fishing. So put those questions in because next time we might be asking yours. Fishing is my life. It's in my DNA. From above the water and below the surface. It's who I am. Oh yeah! Join me as I travel the world in search of the most insane fishing experiences on the planet. Nowhere comes in, smashes my barra. Oh, yeah! You're in for it now, buddy. Oh, yeah! How good is that for a Mackie? Look at the size of it. Scan the boat, Alex, and stun to the boat. I'm Elmer Glush.